0: Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian, and author of critical issues commentary and this series we've been discussing CIC issue number 67 which is John the Baptist and prophets to nations and we spent a while talking about John the Baptist who was the last prophet to a nation until the time of revelation when there are the two witnesses last week we talked about romans 13 and our role with civil governments and our relationship with civil governments today and we're going to pick up now talking about first corinthians 14 and we're going to discuss a little bit what it actually means to prophesy during the church age now you might just want to take a minute or a, a little later um, hop back on the CIC website, cicministry.org. We're going to reference issue number 95 several times today. And it's a much more thorough article on this topic. And the name of that is The Prophetic Calling of Every Believer. All right, so 1 Corinthians 14, what is he who prophesies?
1: Well, according to 1 Corinthians 14, every believer is one who is urged to prophesy uh, correctly, okay?
0: Okay.
1: And it uh, says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Pursue love and desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Okay, okay. so that's written to the whole church.
0: Right. So then it does imply that the whole church is able to prophesy.
1: Yes, and that was a very, very important Reformation doctrine that was necessary in order to escape from the bondage of Rome. Okay. Because Rome kept that to themselves, their teaching magisterium, or the Pope going beyond what was written, as far as the Bible, and various councils that they would convene could uh, conceivably preach beyond Scripture. So in the Roman system, the faith wasn't once for all handed down to the saints. It's being handed down through the centuries as Rome, in her privileged status as the mistress of the church, is prophesying further beyond Scripture. Okay. So at the time of the Reformation, Luther strongly rebuked that, and we'll be citing him on that, saying no. According to Paul, every believer may prophesy. Okay. And so we have to understand exactly what that means. And what we've established so far is it doesn't mean predicting the future. No. What we know about the future is already revealed in Scripture.
0: Okay, so what does it mean to prophesy?
1: Well, I believe and have defended, and this is exactly what both Luther and Calvin taught, that it means proclaiming the gospel, which would include the terms of entrance, which we could call the keys of the kingdom, and that uh, bringing out valid implications and applications of Scripture. All right. And Luther said the same thing. And so uh, Luther was so bold as to say that even implied that an ordinary believer could correct the Pope.
0: I'm sure that went over well.
1: Well, we know that uh, Rome wanted to keep her privileges and power and status, and they weren't about to allow ordinary Christians to be able to speak Authoritatively for God, because then they would be too uppity and wouldn't be under the thumb of Rome. Right. And and to this very day, people who are in bondage to Roman Catholicism have to obediently show up and do whatever they're told. And they're not allowed to ask questions and say, wait a second, the scripture doesn't say this. The scripture doesn't say this. I've had friends who have gone through that in a Roman Catholic wedding.
0: Yes. And
1: uh, he found out, one of them found out that the local priests, by the way, we believe in the priesthood of every believer. So these priests don't have any special status. They're bogus. But he didn't even know the Bible himself. Okay. Maybe some do. Mm -hmm. They don't have to to do their job. So this was our freedom against bondage to Roman Catholicism. It says in Romans fourteen thirty one, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. So this is not reserved to some status, special status people called prophets. Right. And this it confuses people because of the categories that have developed in church history. So there are times, and this certainly happens in first Corinthians 14, where it says, let the prophets speak. Okay. All right, now the term prophet is a noun form of the one of the verb, the one who prophesies. The prophesy okay. or the participle. Okay? So That's functional terminology, and the Bible uses the term both ways. Agabus was a prophet in the sense of a special person that wasn't like everybody else.
0: He prophesied
1: to the church, and he was associated with Christ's apostles. Okay. And there's the foundation of the church in the book of Ephesians, where it talks about Christ, the cornerstone, and the apostles and prophets as the foundation.
0: Those are distinct prophets, not in the way that we are prophets.
1: Exactly, because those are the ones who gave us the faith once for all, handed down to the saints.
0: So then just to make sure that we're clear for our listeners, when we're talking about prophesying and we're talking about being prophets, we aren't talking about new revelation. What, what are we prophesying?
1: We're declaring the terms of the gospel. Okay. okay. So in that sense, and I think we mentioned this last week, it certainly does have to do with the future because we're declaring the way to escape future judgment is to flee to Christ. Right. Luther called that the keys of the kingdom. Okay. That through faith in Christ, one could escape from the kingdom of darkness and be transferred in to the kingdom of his beloved son, which is Colossians 1, 13, and 14. So you may prophesy one by one, let the prophets speak two or three. They are meaning prophesying ones, not just special prophets, and let the others judge. Okay. Now, the way that was misused by the apostles and prophets movement, and still is, is they claim that the prophets are whoever claims to be one that is a unique role. And there are many of them out there. And they believe they can speak by two or three, just prophets. And they don't say that's every believer. And who gets to judge are the other prophets. Okay. And their prophets. Convenient. Yeah, it's based on dreams and visions or... Um, some sort of metaphysical impressions in their mind or soul that they think are words from God. And they say, I think God's saying, or thus saith the Lord. And then the other prophets say, Well, I don't know if God's saying that or not. But only certain ones get to do that. Okay. And so they may say anything. They pronounce judgment. They declare curses. They predict the future. They have all kinds of stuff. They. They claim to be judging nations. And as we've been showing, they don't even have that role. They cannot have it because nobody does. Right. As we proved in previous episodes of the series, if they're going to make that claim, then they have to submit to Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18. Right. They've got to have rock solid, sound doctrine about who God is, and who Christ is, they have to have solid Trinitarian doctrine. Deuteronomy 18 says, what they say has to come to pass, because otherwise, what do you know? And it may not happen, which is, yeah. you know, nothing that you didn't know before. And so it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, you can all prophesy one by one. Now, how does that work out in the church? I mentioned that in our issue 95. Okay. What that means is that as we open the scriptures together, we talk about the scriptures, and we discuss implications and applications. If implications and applications are logically connected to the text and are therefore valid and necessary, implications and applications because the text itself demands that they are, then they're binding. Okay. So it's very serious that we get it right. Because otherwise we'd be practicing false binding and losing. So what it says you may speak one at a time and then let others judge, usually by two or three, you don't want confusion. Someone may be able to say, wait a second, there's a logical flaw in your claim. You say this verse implies this, and therefore it's necessarily binding, but it doesn't. And here's why it doesn't imply imply that. And you may go into the grammar or valid categories or invalid categories, as the case may be. In a sense, that's what I'm doing constantly. Right. What critical issues is doing. Yes. People make claims based on certain scriptures, and if they commit logical fallacies or they get the grammar of the verse wrong or they misapply the verse, then I'm simply judging their prophecy. Okay. Which someone can do to me, get the verse out there and let's see what God said. Right. And we do
0: this in Sunday school. That's (laughs) why I love. I love our Sunday school, like gospel of grace fellowship, because that's exactly what this is. We can we can study God's word and discuss it and, and bring out valid implications and applications and correct one another. It's just such a wonderful time.
1: Yeah, and I've been doing that, as far as my ministry, since the 1980s. Yes. Because I think it's important. It's in First Corinthians 14. We don't just say, well, the church authorities figured all this out, so that's not your job. You just go along with the program. Right. I don't believe that. We came. We started in the early 80s from an abusive group that had people claiming to speak for God and claiming subjective words from God that were binding, and it hurt a lot of people. And when we realized it wasn't right, I wanted to make sure we don't repeat that error. Yes. Okay? And so I, when someone gave me the complete works of Luther, and as I was reading through a lot of that, I was amazed that that's was the issue at the time of the Reformation.
0: Yeah, it was. That's really what it came down to.
1: Of our listeners know that Luther believed in the prophetic calling of every believer. We know that he believed in the priesthood of every believer, and we wrote an article proving that and proving it from scripture that's true. In fact, let me, if you don't mind, okay a fairly long quote from Luther.
0: All right. I think it'll be a good
1: indication. This is this is what it means and I think he gets it right.
0: Okay. Um,
1: quoting Luther, quote, but why does he say quote within a quote, we have a sure prophetic word, unquote within a quote? Answer. I believe indeed that henceforth we shall not have prophets says Luther like those of the Jews had in times past in the Old Testament. But a prophet must really be one who preaches about Jesus Christ. Therefore, Luther continues, although many prophets in the Old Testament foretold future things, they really came and were sent by God to proclaim the Christ. Now those who believe in Christ are all prophets, for they have the real and chief qualification of prophets the prophets should have, even though they do not all have the gift of foretelling the future. For just as through faith we are brothers of the Lord Christ, kings and priests, so we are also all prophets through Christ. Continuing with Luther, for we shall all state what pertains to salvation, God's glory, and a Christian life. Let me Again, repeat what Luther said there. For we shall all state what pertains to salvation, God's glory, and the Christian life. And that's exactly wow. what we're talking about. Let me continue on. Luther, in addition, we can all also talk about future events in as, so far as it is necessary for us to know about them. For example, we can say that the last day will come, and then we will rise from the dead. Okay, so he has the same categories you and I have been talking about, Jessica. Yes. And so there's for, excuse me. There are future things that will certainly happen because they're in scripture. Luther pointed that out. Back to his quote. Furthermore, we understand all scripture. Paul also speaks about this, in one Corinthians fourteen thirty one. For you can all prophesy one. By one. So, there at the time of the Reformation, Martin Luther stood up for the priesthood of every believer and the right of every believer to declare the truth of the gospel, declare the terms of entrance, and to teach things that concern the Christian life that are revealed in Scripture.
0: Okay. Now,
1: By the way, I'm, I'm working on an article, but I think that the future development of creedalism and demanding people to take oaths to creeds that somebody else created is a rejection of Luther's position here.
0: It is. It has to be.
1: Right. Because now we can't all prophesy one by one because we are commanded to take an oath that we believe somebody else is prophesying from so many hundreds of years ago. And that wasn't what Luther had in mind, because Rome had already done that. Right. So they, they may say, well, our creeds are biblical, and Rome's wasn't. But, uh, you know, the point is, whether we're going to take away the priesthood of every believer and the God-given calling of every believer to prophesy. Okay, and okay. This is pointed out in Acts, when the Holy Spirit came on everyone and there was prophesying right and this is alluded to in the old testament okay there's a preview of this and that's in numbers chapter 11
0: all right numbers 11
1: are you interested oh yes okay here we are numbers 11 starting with verse 26 okay two men had remained in the camp, and the name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other, Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered but had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. So a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth said, "Moses, my lord, restrain him." Verse twenty-nine, Numbers eleven. But Moses said to him, "Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the spirit that the Lord would put His spirit upon them."
0: Wow! And that's Moses, exactly what we see happen.
1: He's predicting Pentecost. Yes, and that does wow. happen. Now you might say, "Well." What about um, Korah and and the other people that challenged Moses? Well, here's the difference. Korah and the other rebels said, why should Moses speak for God? We're going to do it. They wanted Moses' role of being a lawgiver. Right. And because they challenged Moses' special role of giving the law of the Old Covenant, that had been given on Sinai, they were in rebellion, and they were judged. Okay? okay. There's a severe judgment. But the spirit of coming upon someone and prophesying, in this sense, is a little preview of what's going to happen under the new covenant. Yes. Okay. So there were special prophets that weren't lawgivers. They predicted the coming of Messiah. But after Pentecost, we have the priesthood of every believer, and the prophetic calling of every believer. And this is not infallible. That's why the others judge. All right?
0: Okay. Because if
1: somebody got it wrong, and say, thus saith the Lord, and that they were wrong, and they misinterpreted the scripture, they'd be falsely binding or falsely loosing. That's why they have to correct it. But the fact is, the Spirit of God is upon each one. The final word, is what's been given once for all is Scripture. Okay. Now this gives us the ability to be Bereans, to search the Scripture, and to correct false teachers.
0: Yes, each, each of us. You don't have to have an MDiv to correct false teachers.
1: Right, and something. Well, who are you? I've had that recently. I got email. Who are you? You aren't. The, you don't have the status. Of the guys that I like, so you don't get to correct anybody. But the problem was he never told me exactly where I was wrong. No. Okay, I'm very much fallible. That's why stuff is put out in public. And get the scriptures open and show me where I'm wrong. Yes. That's how that's how this works. Yeah, I was correcting a guy who claimed that the teachings of Jesus aren't binding on the church. Yes, and I just proved that from Scripture. He is the <laughs> one doing false losing. Right. We don't to listen to Jesus. He what? He's not the Lord over anything. So I I corrected that, and this guy said, "Well, who are you? I know this other guy. I don't know you." Yeah. Well, so is he Catholic? Does he think? Well, you're not the Pope. You're not the teaching magisterium. Right. Okay, so that's not an answer. That's not. No, it's
0: not an argument. It's.
1: No, it's a personal preference whose teacher is better. Okay. Okay. So I'd be willing to debate. That's what it looks like. Yeah. We still need this. And no preacher, and we do have sermons. I mean, doing things decently in order also includes people giving Bible teachings. Yes, that aren't interrupted in the process, but they can still be discussed and corrected later. Right. I work really hard before I preach because I don't want people to have to correct it. But if they do, they do. Yeah. I want to learn. Now, this is our safeguard against abusive church authorities. Okay. These prophets who claim to be prophets to the nation are laying all this stuff out there and the saints have to scurry around wondering, well, should I get rid of all my assets and buy gold? Or should I go store a year's worth of food in the basement? Or is God angry with me because I didn't send a donation to this prophet who wants all my money or whatever it is they're doing? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they bully and intimidate the saints and they're thinking we're the prophets. You're not, so you better listen to us. You can't correct it, yeah. and so they've overturned the Reformation. But instead of one pope, there's hundreds and hundreds of them. Right. Okay. Now let me quote Luther again. Okay. I love what he did. Okay. All right. We have a little church history here. Good. This has to do with the teaching magisterium of the Roman Catholic Church that they alone had the authority to prophesy. Here's Luther's response. Quote, this is on page one, by the the way, of issue 95. Quoting Luther, also, then quoting uh, Paul, you can all prophesy one by one. 1 Corinthians 14.31. Then back to Luther. What sense is there to this drunken prattle of the Pope and his papists handed down over many generations. Then he quotes them, quoting them, we command, we earnestly direct, the Church of Rome is mistress of the churches and the articles of faith, unquote, of Rome. Back wow. to Luther. This I love Luther. He says, all right, let her sit and teach and be a mistress. Yet, here, she is commanded to be silent if a revelation is made to one sitting by not only she but he, each of us one by one may prophesy says paul a master and corrector even of peter when he acted insincerely galatians 2:14 on. back to luther how much more ought we not then to confidently judge the church of Rome in its insincerity and feigned authority? We are not to be judged by this church lest we imperil our own salvation and be found to deny Christ. Unquote, Martin Luther.
0: Wow, that was powerful.
1: It is, it's amazing. He stood up against the whole world. Right. Based on, the authority given to him by the Holy Spirit through the apostles, in 1 Corinthians 14, to judge prophecy. Yes. And judging it was basically, and he talked about having the keys of the kingdom, and then talking about also the matters of the Christian life, what it was like, what the priesthood of every believer. Okay, yeah. Ministries that are valid in the church, not bishops and archbishops and the feigned authority of this hierarchy, but basic truths about the Christian life. This, does this make Luther infallible? No, because we have the right to judge him as well. And right. to that. And so we can debate that. I don't agree with his doctrine on baptism or the Lord's Supper. Right. But I agree with him on the priesthood of every believer and the prophetic calling of every believer. Okay. Now we have prophets going around predicting the future, which is not their job, getting it wrong. And after they get it wrong, say, well, let's try another one. Right. They think you can do this ad infinitum, get it wrong. And. Therefore, they've already proven themselves false. Most of them couldn't articulate Christian theology in an accurate way if they had to.
0: No. No. And if they had better theology, they wouldn't be false prophets.
1: Right. I found that in my personal confrontation with some of them. They have no clue. If you go into the realm of theology, they're lost. They're they're making their grand pronouncements right out of their mind. Uh, In fact, the Reformers called them enthusiasts. Right. So, Calvin also rebuked the enthusiasts. Yes, he did. I think it's real strong. Let's go to Calvin. Okay. Calvin says this about the enthusiasts. Quote of Calvin. In like manner, when Paul says to the Thessalonians quench not the spirit, he does not carry them aloft to empty speculation apart from the word. He immediately adds, despise not prophesying. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. Continuing with Calvin. By this doubtless, he intimates that the light of the spirit is quenched the moment prophesying falls into contempt. How is this answered by those Swelling enthusiasts in whose idea the only true elimination consists in, care, in carelessly laying aside and bidding adieu to the Word of God, while with no less confidence than folly, they fasten upon any dreaming notion which may have casually sprung into their minds. Oh, I got a revelation. Uh, uh, yeah, Florida's going to go underwater I, uh, in this article we'll get in future ones I'll, I'll quote some of the ones I've heard well they get these swelling mystical impressions right out of thin air okay. and then he continues Calvin, surely a very different sobriety becomes the children of God as they, f- as they feel that without the spirit of God they are utterly devoid of the light of truth. So they are not ignorant of that word that is instrument by which the illumination of the spirit is dispensed. They're not ignorant of the true scripture. So both Luther and Calvin taught that Christians know the word of God and they can prophesy according to scripture. And this is truly binding. Yes. And If we can prove from Scripture that something is binding, then that means if we say, I won't listen to it, I'm going to do what I want, we're sinning.
0: Yeah. Yes, we are.
1: Okay. Or if we say, thus saith the Lord, but we're binding what God has loosed, we're sinning by doing false binding. Right. We've made ourselves lawgivers like Korah. So this is of utmost importance important that all believers can and should bring forth the truth of the gospel, prophesy the terms of entrance into the kingdom of God, and teach one another the truth of scripture, and we should humbly listen and look and try to get what's the best reading. What has God said? That's what we do in our Sunday school. Yes. Sometimes we'll look at a passage and not be so certain. What is this saying? And somebody, anybody, and this happens a lot, will say, "I have you thought about this other reference that's pertinent to this? And they quote it. Yeah. And almost everyone thinks, wow, that's a good reading. Right. You've seen that, Jessica?
0: Yep. It happens quite a bit.
1: It does. And I, I have a little award I like to um, – sort of tongue-in-cheek lay out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, The Astute Reading Award.
0: Yep, a free cup of coffee. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) So we want to encourage people to be Bereans. We want to honor the truth of the word. And if somebody who may seem unimpressive to kernel-minded people comes up with the truth and correctly articulates it, that person should be honored. Yes. And wow, that's, that's really a good reading. We need to, now we can understand the way of the Lord more perfectly.
0: Yes. And, that, and that's why we need each other and we need to assemble together and we need to search God's word together. We're meant to be a body.
1: Right. And so in this, I'm actually disagreeing with a lot of traditional evangelicals who claim. That First Corinthians 14 is only valid until uh, all of the canon was assembled.
0: Right. This is a unique position, I think, for a lot of evangelicals. It seems to be either all or nothing. Either, either we're going to be charismatic or we're going to be full cessationists, and it just all ended with the canon of Scripture. This is well, a very different reading.
1: But that's part of the reason I cited Calvin and Luther, because I'm showing it's not unique. Right. And it's in keeping with what Moses said, what did a God that all were prophets? But it's not unrestrained because the meaning of the text of Scripture restrains it. And I originally started thinking about this in the 80s when I was studying through 1 Corinthians. And I thought, would Paul trust that church with all its problems to fill in what wasn't in in the canon?
0: No. No.
1: Because then that you're back to, well, I think God said this. The other one says, well, I think he didn't. And you're back into the subjective. So yeah, that view okay. that that sort of prophecy was just temporary till the canon is full, fulfilled really doesn't make any sense at all.
0: No, it because doesn't. And you're
1: judging with nothing to judge by. Right. So the, if what they had was the teaching of Paul, then that's what they'd use to judge judge the prophecy. And certainly the teachings of Jesus were uh, at least verbally uh, circulated in the church and they heard sound teaching from from the apostles. And how much more today do we have the tools?
0: Yes, boy, do we. We've got a lot more that we can access to to study and to search God's word than any other generation has ever had.
1: Right. So... That being the case, why give up? Why throw up our hands and say the false prophets are bad, which is true, they are. Right? We can't prophesy because that's ceased. So there is no such thing.
0: That's harming uh, the church.
1: But then what you end up with with these people say, Well, but we had our divines who made a creed, and they had it right. They they have a normed norm, and we have to take oaths which, by the way, is a violation of what Jesus taught about taking yes. over, that we adhere to that. Yes. So now they come back up with more prophecy. They can't be judged. Granted, yeah. better than what Rome had, but they've re- removed the work of the Holy Spirit and First Corinthians 14, they've taken it away and they can't claim Luther and Calvin for comfort in their process of removing the right and responsibility of every believer in their priesthood and in their prophesying.
0: All right. Can you give us just a quick summary before we close? We've kind of covered a lot of material today, and it's very important.
1: Well, let me say this. Print out issue 95 and just judge these things for yourself. Yes. Practice what we're saying right now. Does First Corinthians 14 actually give believers the responsibility to prophesy? And this prophecy bringing forth the truth of the gospel, valid implications and applications of Scripture, as we are Bereans searching to see if these things are true. Check it out. Read the article and see if what I'm saying makes sense. And I would say that if we do that, we have a stronger case against the false prophets. We can judge them.
0: That's right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this program and many others as well as years' worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind, and strive together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1.27. For Critical Issues Commentary, this has been Jessica Kramus. Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. Amen. Amen.